The Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show, episode number 46. Welcome to the show where we help you make smart nutrition simple so that you can fuel your best with less. Less time, less money, and less stress. I'm Ben Brown, co-founder and CEO of BSL Nutrition, and I'm excited to have you join me on this journey. Each week, I'll be sharing expert advice from leaders in the field of nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and supplementation who actually practice what they preach and are also on a mission to positively impact as many people as possible in a meaningful way. Today's episode is brought to you by my nutrition company, BSL Nutrition, and our all-in-one training drink called Complete Essentials. When you use the Complete Essentials, you'll no longer need pre-, during-, and post-workout supplements. You can save time, money, and energy, and get all the beneficial nutrients you need in one delicious, easy-to-mix drink. Make sure you guys stay tuned after the show where I'll share a nice little discount for all of our listeners on your first product purchase. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to episode number 46 of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. Today on the show, we have Jason Phillips. Jason is the founder of In3 Nutrition and Nutrition Coaching Institute. From humble beginnings as an anorexic, Jason has pursued his passion to help others and has now helped over 10,000 individuals. Now, that's an extremely humble biography of Jason. Um, Dude is a a walking, talking billboard of what it means to represent good nutrition and, and, and good nutrition coaching is really doing amazing things in the industry. I think he has like 10 coaches that are coaching individuals and somewhere around like a thousand clients, but also working to certify uh, nutrition coaches in a way that's um, realistic, that is really helping facilitate change you know, authentic and meaningful way. And so this was a really fun conversation where we just cruised around uh, a whole bunch of different topics, but ranging from anorexia to orthorexia and and some of the things that Jason struggled with early on in his career and what led him to get into nutrition coaching field and how he found his passion for one-on-one coaching and knew that he wasn't going to settle with the naysayers of saying you can't grow a one-on-one coaching business. And he certainly proved them wrong. And through his one-on-one one coaching business has helped thousands upon thousands of people improve their lifestyle from improving athletic performance to weight loss to improving longevity and kind of what each of those three parameters entails in terms of what he calls his triangle of awareness. We talk about reverse dieting and metabolic adaptation. We also talk about a term called NEAT. And let me just give you a brief definition, but NEAT is non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And basically, in a nutshell, it's the calories that we burn just from daily movement. Um, Not structured exercise, but just daily movement, things like getting up and down, standing, uh, walking around, uh, twiddling our thumbs to, you know, moving our legs around and fidgeting and things like that. All of that constitutes non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is a way that our body expends calories. Then we jump into CrossFit, we jump into nutritional periodization, ketogenic diets for CrossFit. Make sure you listen all the way through because both of us definitely get on our soapbox regarding ketogenic and athletic endeavors and glycolytic training. So I think you guys are going to enjoy this one. Jason's a great dude. We had a lot of fun talking. And so I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Jason Phillips, welcome to the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. How you doing, brother? I'm well, man. I'm well. I appreciate you uh, being flexible with your time for me. So good to, good to show Absolutely, man. Stuff comes up. And last time we were supposed to jump on a call, what happened? You're I think I, I think it was last week when I was at the doctor with my yeah. son with his arm. Oh my yeah. god! 
we went to like he so my son broke his arm over the summer um and he he was complaining about it again like in school last today's tuesday so like monday tuesday um and so finally tuesday we took him and i've never sat in like a room so long just to get like x-rays and a cast and uh, turn into quite the ordeal but uh, so what's the deal it never healed no, it did. Ironically, so like they did, um, like they did X-rays, and honestly, the bone was t- totally normal. So they're thinking based on like where he's having pain, it's just like a tendon complex that's been agitated. Um, mm. And because it's like it's it's like right like right here, like in his wrist, right, like right, like where the ulna hits the mm. uh, hits like your hand, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, they're like it's such a sensitive area. So many things happen from that area. They casted it just to make sure that he can't rotate it at all. Um, mm. And they had to cast it all the way above the arm because even if you move the elbow, uh, oh, cast it. yeah. So like he's literally cast it above the arm right now. It kind of sucks. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, all good, all good. So for those of the, our listeners that aren't familiar with you, maybe you could give us just a little bit of background um, about how you got into the nutritional coaching space and start there. Yeah, man. Probably a lot of people are not familiar with me. I don't. Uh, I don't think I'm very well known to a lot of people, but. Uh, uh, yeah, man. It, it's uh, it's probably a different story than those people would expect. Uh, you know, I think most people are like, oh, you grow up and you're an athlete and you just get into health and fitness as a byproduct and by proxy you become a coach. And, um, you know, it couldn't have been further from that, man. Like my athletic endeavor, uh, we should loosely use the word athlete because I played golf. Uh, <laughs> I happen to be really good at golf, but that's to be determined if it's really athletic. Um especially back in 2002. Um, and so I, and I certainly didn't do any kind of strength conditioning, nor did I care at all about nutrition. Um, I, I believe there's a chapter of my book coming out that's called chicken tenders are a protein source. Um, and that was pretty much like what I thought about nutrition back then. Um, and so, you know, really what did it though is, um, when I, I got an injury, um, you know, and I went into, rehab slash strength conditioning to get better so that I could continue playing golf. And um, I actually kind of fell in love with the weight, with the weight room setting. Like I, I liked that my body was changing a little bit and um, other people were noticing that. And before you know it, um, I got asked to model for Abercrombie and Fitch. Um, now every 18 year old kid mm-hmm. in 2002, it's like a wet dream to be a part of Abercrombie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, the only thing is, man, they require a wicked six pack. And, you know, a golfer that eats chicken tenders as protein certainly doesn't have a six pack. And, you know, I went on this room, like relentless pursuit. Um, and before I knew it, man, that pursuit actually led me down a rabbit hole into an eating disorder. And I became fully blown, full blown anorexic um, at 18 years old. Um, you know, five, nine, 118 pounds. Um, fearful of food like you wouldn't believe, dude. It was pretty scary. Um, you know, now looking back on it. But um that's actually what got me in the space. Like I, I had the eating disorder, ultimately overcame the eating disorder, um, realized how powerful food can be in somebody's life. Um, I, I, you know, I recognize kind of the vehicle. Um, food is a vehicle to success in other areas of life for some people. And, and I basically decided, okay, I've overcome this. It's had such a profound impact on me. I now need to go out in the world and I need to pay it forward. 
um, and, you know, I switched my major in college. I moved to Florida. I was like, right now, today, every person I encounter, I'm going to help them. I'm going to give them every single thing I can. And we're going to, you know, I'm just going to make the most of a, what was a really shitty situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so now it's, uh, that's my life's work, man. Like I've, I've spent every day since 15 years plus, um, you know, paying it forward and, and really trying to help people. And fortunately for me, it's, it's turned into a business. And so you guys have a nutrition coaching business. Yes, sir. Uh, tell us a little bit about your nutrition coaching business. Yeah. So, you know, when I, it's really interesting, like I got online and, um, so I was, uh, as I became better at health and fitness and better is a weird word, but it's, uh, you know, I, I started training more more appropriately. Obviously I had my nutrition dialed in and, um, I kind of got into like the fitness modeling space. And so I, uh, I was sponsored by Optimum Nutrition and I was very prominent within bodybuilding.com. And uh, back, God, I don't even know what year it was, but they had the first ever uh, bodybuilding.com spokesmodel search. And, you know, I, I won that and I got all these people like reaching out to me on their social media platform, Bodyspace. And they were like, dude, can you help me with my diet? And I'm like, of course I can, right? Like not even charging money, just like, Hey, that's so cool that that many people from right. many parts of the world are asking me for help. Like I was so, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And so, but what happened was like one day I woke up and I'm like, dude, I'm spending more time answering these DMS than I am actually like going to work. So I probably should charge for this. So, you know, the next person that reached out for help, I'm like, Hey, happy to help you. It's a hundred bucks. And, uh, they're like, great. Where do I pay you? Yeah. <clears throat> PayPal me a hundred bucks. Let's get going. You know, before I knew it, dude, I had like 60, 70 clients. I was making like six, seven K a month. I'm like, holy shit, this is more than I'm making at like my real job. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm like, this has legs, like this is a business. And so, you know, that was probably like the root of it. Um, the truth is, you know, I, I never really believed wholeheartedly that could be my, my business until probably just over three years ago. Um, and so I always dabbled. I always like, I helped anyone that wanted help, but I never went like all in on that segment. But then, you know, three and a half years ago, I was working a corporate job. I was making, you know, reasonably good money. Um, and, and I just was so unfulfilled, man. And, uh, I, you know, I, I encountered a, a, a gentleman on a flight and he was asking for help. I gave him all the help I could on that flight and we landed and I was so gratified. I'm like, man, like that's, that's what I'm supposed to be doing in my life. Landed the plane um, sent in my resignation to my corporate job right then from my iPhone and was like, fuck it. I'm all in. And, uh, that was where the business came from, man. That's what we're doing today. That's awesome. How long ago was that? Three years yeah, ago? A little over, a little over three years ago, man. That's great. And so now I know you guys have helped thousands upon thousands of people with your nutrition coaching. Let me take a step back a little bit, um, and talk to you about your eating disorder. What were some of the steps that you utilized to kind of overcome your own personal struggles with that? Yeah. And this is what's really interesting is ironically at the time, if you would have asked me, I would have said I wasn't eating disordered. And, and perhaps that's what like, it's why I like, you know, relate and I can empathize with those people going through it because I think a lot of people that are eating disordered don't necessarily recognize it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, it wasn't until several months, perhaps even years later that I did recognize it. I remember like the vivid aha moment was I was sitting in a like nutrition for, um, for corporate, I think like class and, and all of a sudden they were talking about, um, like signs of anorexics, like signs they exhibit that are not physical. Um, and one of the signs was like being a champion 
of all of the things that you're doing, like all of the problematic things that you're doing, but turning them into a positive the way you speak about them. And, and so like anorexics will be like, Oh yeah, well I, I don't eat cake. Like I could be in front of the cake, but I don't eat cake. And like you vocalize that to everybody, right? Like you, you make that shit known. And I'm like, Oh my God, that was me. And then like all of these things are like being listed out. And I'm like, Holy shit, that was me. Holy shit. That was me. And I'm like, I really was anorexic. Like, and I didn't even know it, but come to find out, like I was 48 hours away from an intervention, like with my parents. So, um, like looking back on it, the steps to getting out of it, man, I was really fortunate. So, um, one thing anorexia does, it definitely impacts hormone levels. For me, that manifested itself in like zero testosterone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at 18 years old where my testosterone should be raging, I think I had like a 20, right? Where the reference range is 30 to 800 or 300 to 800. Yeah. Um, so, um, basically couldn't even stay awake past like 2 PM. So the only job I could get was opening up gold's gym. Um, I would open from 5 AM to 11 AM. And it was the only job I could keep because it was like in that window where I was awake. And one of the trainers kind of saw what I was doing to myself. And she's like, you know, this is, uh, this is destructive, but they, she never pointed it out. Right. But there were, there's this bodybuilder that would come in every day. I would see him. He was lean. He was jacked. He was getting ready for a competition. And I'm like, God, I want to look like him. She was like, Oh, great. Well, I do his nutrition. So naturally I'm like, you do my nutrition? Like, that'd be rad. And she's like, yeah, of course, hundred percent. And I'm like, okay, great. What do I eat? And she's like, you need to eat 4,000 calories. Um, mind you, this is like 2002. There's no my fitness pal yet. And at least it wasn't popular then. Maybe it might've been around, but right. so I went home, I went to Barnes and Noble. I bought like an actual book, like a calorie counting book. And then I don't even know if those exist anymore. Um, but I made like 4,000 calorie meal plans and I started eating it like the next day. So I, I probably do, no joke, went from like 900 calories to 4,000 overnight. Um, I put blind trust in this woman. I don't know why. Like I, to this day, I don't know why I was like, oh, she's the holy grail, but I did. And I'm massively thankful because I remember two, three weeks later, I looked in the mirror and I'm like, hey, I'm not fat. This food thing is not so terrible. Um, now, that being said, there's degrees of like trust that I think an anorexic builds in their recovery. Um, and so mind you, the 4,000 calorie meal plans I built were all very clean foods. Um, and so, you know, nothing like I wasn't including cake and pop tarts and Chipotle right. and uh, right. Um, so then all of a sudden I went away to Florida state university and I wanted to be a normal kid. I didn't want them to know that I had previously suffered from eating disorder. So, you know, you're out with your friends at like one in the morning and they all want to grab pizza, man, dude, I was scared shitless the first couple mm-hmm. nights. Like, like the first night I had to have Chipotle. Like I avoided it for so long, but then I finally had it. And I'm like, I thought for sure I'm going to have this burrito and I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and my abs are going to be gone. And like, no joke, woke up the next morning, like ran to the freaking uh, bathroom mirror and like, look, and I'm like, Oh shit, they're still there. Okay. We're good. And so then I had trust in Chipotle. Right. And like, I had to learn to trust all these foods. That was probably the craziest part of the recovery. Yeah. I mean, you know, for a lot of people, we get in trouble with our, our relationship with food, you know, throughout our journey and, and, feeling like certain foods are going to completely negate our efforts in the gym or in the kitchen. And I see this a lot in terms of this orthorexia or this, this uh, disturbed relationship with food. Is that something that you find yourself dealing with, with, with clients that you currently have? I think the society we live in, it's really interesting, right? I think where we are today, culturally speaking, like diet culture is a really awkward place Hmm. because if you look at like the last 10, 12, 15 years, the diets that have been, especially the last decade, right? The diets that have been promoted are very heavily quality-based diets, right? Paleo got really popular circa 2006, 2007, right? So we're mm-hmm. 10, 11 years into that, um, you know, and then it was zone and then it was 
you know, now keto is really popular, um, fasting. And, and a lot of these are very big on quality. But then, like, if it fits your macros and flexible dieting came around, and, and that's, very, that's equally as popular right now, right? And so you've got, like, one train of thought, and you're like, only eat this type of food, and everything else is bad. And then you've got this other end of the spectrum that I think was meant to, to bring balance to the space and say, well, there's no such thing as good or bad. It's, you know, calories and macros. And, and I, but then people took that to the extreme, just like we do everything else in culture. And so it's like, well, if no food is bad, well, fuck it. Let's have all the donuts we possibly can in our macros. And, and so I think that it's like this weird dichotomy and I think people are confused and because of the confusion, they're just afraid of everything. Right. Cause we went through like the low fat craze, the low carb craze. Now I get people coming to me. They're like, well, you know, fat's going to make me fat. Well, no, it's not if you listen to keto people, right? But then if you listen to like the low, like the, the high carb, low fat, like, yeah, it's the devil. And so it's, there's so much conflicting information. I think it, the world is in a state of confusion right now. Yeah. And, and oftentimes it seems like we feel like we need to turn to something that's restrictive yes. or we're, we're, we're given the impression that we need to have some element of like uber restriction in order to be successful. And it needs to happen fast. Yeah. Right. And so and then, with that, it's like the more restrictive we can get, the better. And then we get ourselves into trouble, both with maybe, um, when we restrict for too long in whatever capacity that is or our relationship with food uh, to boot. Yeah. I think that just the word diet, right? If we were to survey a hundred people and we just said like, what's the first thing that comes to mind when we say diet, right? They're probably just going to give you a list of things they can't have. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if, if the, if your thought process around the way that you're going to eat the rest of your life is predicated on restriction, that's an issue. Um, And that's one that's not going to end well. Right. And yeah. so I, I just, again, I, I think that Western culture, because of where we've gone, you know, and in, in internet marketing is largely to blame because a lot of these internet marketers are like, you know, I heard one time there was a guy saying, eat nothing but sweet potatoes. And it's like, could you imagine oh, yeah. like if you, if you brought somebody in and you're like, great for you to lose this weight, you're going to eat nothing but sweet potatoes. Right. And, and let's arbitrarily say it worked. Right. Let's arbitrarily say you got somebody to lose a hundred pounds shredded to the bone what is this person's thought process moving forward? Because their thought process is now going to be, well, shit, if I eat anything other than a sweet potato, my life is ruined. And, and so then they're like, well, I woke up and I wanted an egg. Well, I had an egg. I'm off the diet. Great. Now I'm going to have pancakes. Yeah, I'm going to have chipotle. I'm going to have cake. And I'm going to get it all in today because I ruined today. Like, really? Like, that's what you're going to promote? I mean, that is misery. So with that said, what sort of nutritional philosophy do you guys subscribe to? You know, do you work to implement with your clientele and, and teach your coaches? Yeah. So with that, with that in mind, I think where we have excelled is we understand exactly what we just talked about is that most people that are coming to us are not necessarily looking for another diet strategy. Most people are afraid. Most people are confused. And most people don't even know what they want anymore. They know that they want to lose weight, but they don't know what they want within their lifestyle. And so mm-hmm. I think that like where we've been successful is they come to us and it's like, well, what do you actually want? Like, what do you want to be doing on a day-to-day basis? What foods do you want to eat? What foods do you not want to eat? Right? Those are things that until we establish, we have no basis to move forward on. Yeah. And so with us, it's like, there's no nutritional philosophy. It's, Let's just figure out what do you want within your life? What are your non-negotiables? And then let's kind of like build something around that that can be successful. So if somebody comes to me and they're like, the example I always give is one of my coaches that works for me. She started as a client 
and her and her husband, very first call, they're like, Hey, if we can't have date night on Friday, like we're not working with you. Yeah. And it's like, you know, there's, there's some people out there that'd be like, fuck off. Like you can't have right. date. Night. And you know, for me, I'm like, great. Like you have date night. Like no, no big deal. We'll build the rest of the plan around that. Now what I, my job was to inform her, Hey, if you're thinking you're going to achieve a rapid fat loss with date night every Friday, you're crazy, right? I need to tell you this inherently might slow the process a little bit, but by slowing it, I think it's more sustainable. I think that you'll have long-term results that you can keep. Um, and, and I think that you'll really enjoy the process, which sounds like, cause they had tried paleo and they had tried this and that. Mm-hmm. You really haven't enjoyed the process yet. Um, what we try to do is we get people to fall in love with the process, man. Cause dude, I love my life every day when I wake up. Like there's nothing I would change, right? And I I think that if we can get our clients to wake up and be like, man, I really enjoy this, you're going to hold on to it. And we know if we can get you eating quality foods in the right quantity throughout the day, day in, day out on your terms, not our terms, on your terms, that's the recipe for success. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's not stressing, like the impact of stressing over those foods all the time in and of itself creates such an issue for people. Just, just them thinking, I've talked about, you know, plenty of other people on the show before, but just thinking, you know, the, the stress response of thinking, I'm about to eat this bagel and it's going to, it has gluten and it's going to tear me up and, you know, it's going to create this whole cascade and I'm totally screwed if I eat it. And it's just that thought process in and of itself creates such issues around so many different foods. There's so much fear mongering in the space, right? And I, and again, that's, that's where I think internet marketing has had its negative impact because I think all the marketers, they have to have their agenda. And, you know, it's, it's really funny. Like when we talk about the evolution of us even having a coaching program, like when I first came to the space and I'm like, great, I want to, I want to work online. All the gurus are like, you can't work one-on-one with people. Like you can't fulfill that many people. I was like, mm. okay, great. I'll prove you wrong. Right. And, and I'm, I'm the kind of person where it's like, I dare you to try to outwork me. So I was literally working 20 hours a day, like no joke, no hyperbole, waking up at 4am, going to bed at midnight, taking a call every half hour, talking to 40 people per day for like six days a week. Right. Mm. And I had, I had 167 clients at my peak when I was just by myself, like solopreneur before we actually scaled the business. Um, and it's like, great. Like, but I'll tell you this, man, I'm driven a million percent by impact. And I, you know, the problem that I was experiencing was people would come to me and be like, Hey, I really need your help. And I don't know how to say no. So it was like, like, it was like, you know, it was a great problem because there's people were beating down my door to work with me. And, uh, and I don't know how to say no. And, and I'm, you know, I, I happen to be able to create success. And so, um, you know, really the dilemma was how to build a business, but it was, it was great to kind of turn around and, you know, stick it to the gurus who said, Oh no, like you have to do it very inauthentically and, and you have to propagate the fear mongering that is happening in this world. You got to have an angle to come to the space with And my angle, right? It took me longer to grow for sure. Cause nothing I say is super sexy. People are like, Oh, well, what's your, what's your method? And I'm like, well, great. Let's have a conversation in an hour. Once I get to know you, I'll tell you my method that works for you. Um, but until then, I can't tell you my method because I don't know anything about you. Yeah, I can appreciate that uh, 100%. So you guys have been able to scale your business all working one-on-one with clientele. All one-on-one, man. We have nothing in groups. So we, we currently service over 1,000 people all, all one-on-one. Um, you know, we've got 15 coaches on the staff. Um, and, and obviously, we're always, we're always growing that. So. That's great. Good for you. So what are the type of clientele that you're working with? Is, there, is it majority fat loss? Is it athletes? I know you know, you've it's worked with my, my kind of like claim to fame initially was I had a lot of high end CrossFitters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was getting a lot of, you know, 
a lot from that space. And, and I still think a lot of even just general CrossFitters that go to their local box tend to come to us. Um, but, you know, we work with everybody, man. I've got guys in the UFC. I've got WWE. Actually, like the text messages that were coming in that you heard were literally WWE check-ins. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've got them. I've got NFL. I've got PGA Tour. I've got mom and pop that want to lose some fat. I've got college kid that wants to gain some muscle. Uh, I've got, you know, 70-year-old female that's got hormonal issues. Um, like, you name it. And I, I think that the beauty of of what we've actually been able to create is if you look across my team, we've got specialists in a lot of different verticals. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've got a hormone specialist that works on my team. I've got a mindset specialist. I've got someone that specializes in women's health and hormones. Um, and, and so it's really been cool to see how we can take it. Like, you know, everybody's got slightly different emphasis and how we can apply that to, you know, the same program with slightly different emphasis with different emphases, um, it's, it's mm-hmm. been very unique. So, um, but if I had to categorize, we'd probably get more CrossFitters than anything. Interesting. So you talk about, I've heard you talk about your triangle of awareness yes. before. Is that something that you could elaborate on for our listeners? Yeah, man. So I think that generally anytime somebody has a goal, nutritionally speaking, it's always going to start with identifying within the triangle of awareness. And so the triangle of awareness is, you know, obviously three sides, performance, aesthetics, and life or longevity. And so the problem was we were getting so many people coming to us saying, I want to get ripped. I want to get ripped. And that's great. Like you're absolutely entitled to look how you want to look um, on the beach or at home or naked or whatever it is. Right. But you're not entitled to live in a calorie deficit and perform at your peak. Like that's just factual. Physiology says if you're in a calorie deficit, you are not going to perform your best. Like period. You're not going to recover adequately. At some point, hormones are going to run out. You're fucked. And So really, like, it was my way of explaining to people, hey, listen, you're telling me your goals are here, but yet you're articulating goals that are up here. So can we really understand where we want to be? So now, like, when a client comes to me, I actually, that's one of the first conversations we have. Like, if you come to me and you're like, hey, I want to get super ripped, great. Let me tell you what you're also telling me. Because if you're telling me that you want to be in a calorie deficit for 12, 16, 20, 24 weeks to achieve single-digit body fat, like low-level single-digit body fat, Uh, Let me also tell you, you're also telling me you're okay with extreme hunger at times. You're okay with a loss of sex drive. You're okay with uh, some mood swings. Um, You're okay with deviating from social life at times. And most importantly, you're also okay with a decrease in performance because you're going to live in a deficit. Your recovery is going to be compromised. Are you cool with that? And if they're like, yup, I'm good. Great. Like, let's do the damn thing. Right. Because I'll get you shredded as hell. The problem is most people, and you know this, First thing you see on an intake, client, please describe your goals. I want to get shredded and perform better. Exactly. Great. So which one do you want first? Because the truth is, can they happen at some point together? Absolutely. But they are not going to happen concurrently. And so it's understanding, and this is where, you know, the other kind of piece that I think I brought to the space, understanding nutritional periodization has to come into play. You know, if you come to me right now and you're a CrossFitter, and here we are heading into week three of the Mm -hmm. Open. Um, week two happened to be very nervous and demanding. And you're telling me I want to get leaner over the next three weeks yet. I want to perform in the open. I'm pro number one. I'm probably not going to take you on because right. there's no way I can fulfill that. And there's no way ethically I would fulfill that. But number two, I'm going to educate you as to why that's ridiculous, right? Our goal would be great. Let's maximize performance through these three weeks. Let's recover. Then let's work on body comp. Then let's ramp you back up for next year's performance. So realistically, if you're hiring me for open performance, you're probably hiring me for 2019 open performance. You just don't know it yet. 
Um, that being said, right, in NCI, like my education platform, we live by the quote, education drives compliance. I'm super big on saying to clients like exactly what they need to hear on the front end, creating that level of education, helping them understand really what they're saying without even understanding, without even knowing it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think that that has just done wonders in terms of compliance. You know, you make some really good points and it's so important for people to understand what they're getting themselves into and, and if they really want what they think they want. Right. So, and saying like everyone wants to get shredded and lean and six packs and everything we see on social media. And, but then for them, you know, for them to really understand what it means for a guy to be sub 10 body fat percentage and for a female to be, you know, 15% body fat percentage yeah. and, and the misery that can accompany that. And then when they kind of take a hard look, it's like maybe it's a mom with, you know, some young kids or maybe it's a busy executive who's traveling all the time. It's like, dude, think about your lifestyle. Think about what you want. Do you really want like risk reward, you know, yeah. type thing? And, and so, I, you know, I really respect that in terms of telling the clients like it is, as opposed to saying, oh yeah, you know, we can get you there. And then when they start to experience issues, a lot of coaches are like, well, it's my way or the highway and you lose them as a client, as opposed to educating them, you know, beforehand. I, ironically, I think that's why we have really good retention statistics. You know, if we're digging into like the business aspect, I mean, we've got great retention. And I think it's because we're, we're pretty truthful in, in the way we approach it. And I think that a good coach should always be truthful. Right. Um, if you come to, again, if you come to me and say you want to be shredded, like that's totally cool. Um, but you know, they just had the Arnold classic, right. And William Bonac won Arnold classic. He did not get awarded, you know, um, first place at the Arnold classic because his Fran time, um, was faster than everybody else on stage. Right. They, they don't know. They don't ask you, what is your back squat? They don't care. Right. You can never back squat in the world. If you happen to have legs like Tom Platt's great, like you win. And, you know, the same goes for Matt Frazier at the CrossFit Games. When he gets on top of the podium, they don't say, hey, man, can you lift up your shirt so we can see your abs and make sure that like, you're worthy of being a winner? They don't care, right? Your times, your lifts, you were faster, you were stronger, you were better than everyone else in the field. And then, and then we have to look at this whole, like, longevity piece because then it's like, all right, obviously the guy that just won the Arnold Classic, all drug use aside, right? Let's arbitrarily say he was natural. Sure. You know, he's not. Right. Let's arbitrarily say he's not like the, the stress that you're putting on your body to go to body fat levels that are that low, the hormonal impacts is absolutely at some point going to take years off your life. The stress that you're putting on your body to be the best at your sport in the world is absolutely going to take years off your life. We know this. They're starting to study like longevity based on stress. And, and we're seeing that controlling stressors is actually what it gives you the ability to enhance longevity. So you're taking two of the most stressful things in the world. You're all, we should also be telling our clients like, hey, by the way, you know, when you're 95 and, and you die and you wanted to be 98, well, that might have been why. Um, that's probably not a conversation that we're having, like totally truthful. But if somebody comes to me and they're like, I want to be 120 years old, like I'm going to be like, dude, you need to not really train. You need to live in a really cold, dark room. You need to take long walks on the beach. And then, hey, keto might be a good idea for you. Um, but you know, that, that's a whole set of, that's a whole cultural shift that we're starting to see. Like the whole biohacking culture is becoming very popular now. And so with performance and cosmetic goals, now having an undertone of actual health and longevity, it's a whole other subset of goals that have to start being considered. 
Yeah, it's super valid. And, and understanding that, like, look, your biomarkers of health may not be influenced positively by working towards six pack or working towards qualifying in the CrossFit Open or right getting on stage yeah. and understanding yeah. like, dude, if you just want to live longer and healthier and, and feel great, it may not have anything to do with your relative body fat level. Like, oh, absolutely. And in fact, it probably doesn't. Yeah. I mean, look at Ben Greenfield, right? I mean, Ben, he PR'd his Ironman. Um, with Jeff Volek's keto diet, you know, and, and by today's like publicity or media, you know, the keto diet's the healthiest thing in the world, according to the keto zealots. Um, and, and Ben did an Ironman, which by all, you know, by all accounts is a massively uh, physical endeavor, right? Like one that I will certainly never complete. And he PR'd it. Um, yet then he went and tested his biomarkers, his hormone levels, and he's fucked, Right. So it's like, here we go. Like guy just PR'd one of the most intense things he'll ever do in his life. It's best time ever yet internally. Not so great. Not good. So, you know, what, what you see on the outside is not always reflective of the inside. And I think, I think a lot of people have a hard time grasping that. So let's talk a little bit about, um, when people get in trouble with restricting calories for too long, because this is off, this is becoming more of an, I don't know if it's more or more of an issue, but it's definitely an issue is when we get clients and they come in and they're eating virtually nothing and they're over-exercising and their stress response is out of control. How do you assess that? And then what are the, some of the tools that you implement to help walk them out of that? First of all, it's one of the hardest things that you have to do because, you know, it, essentially what we're looking at is metabolic adaptations, right? So when you're living in a calorie deficit for too long, you know, you navigate away from set point, your body begins to create adaptations. Otherwise it would die, right? If it continued fat burning um, the same rate by being in such a big deficit, you know, at some point it's going to run out of insulation for its organs. It's going to run out of fuel and, and you're going to die. Um, so your body adapts, it slows down metabolism, it slows down metabolic hormones. And at some point you create a new homeostatic balance, right? And so instead of let's arbitrarily say, you know, whole set point is 2200 calories at some point, set point becomes 1200 calories. So, you know, when you say, sorry to interrupt, when you say set point, are you talking like your resting metabolic rate or like, like, well, we'll call it daily energy expenditure, right? So we'll, we'll include, like, we'll include resting exercise, even with, you know, exercise activity, non-exercise activity. Um, because, you know, initially when you're in a deficit, your, your body has the propensity to increase levels of meat, right. Or to decrease levels of meat. Right. Um, so when you're all of a sudden down at, at 1200, you know, your body has, has decreased the propensity for meat yet. You're still creating exercise activity because you're neurotic. Um, yet your, your body perceives 1200 calories to be that new maintenance. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in the first example at 2200 calories, 1500 calories, is a 700 calorie deficit, right that should yield over a pound of weight loss per week. You know, again, clinically, we know that doesn't always hold true, but clinically that puts you above the 3,500 calorie threshold should put you into that weight loss. Um, now, if you've created this metabolic adaptation to let's call it 1200 calories, 1500 calories, is a 300 calorie surplus. So even though you're eating what should be a deficit, you're gaining weight and people are like, I don't get it. Like, right. you know, then you eat a thousand calories, which is less than 1200 and you still don't. Because what happens? Your body now creates a new adaptation. Now you're adapted at 1,000 calories, 900 calories, 800 calories. It becomes really scary, right? And, and it's the whole Western culture of more is better. Um, you know, some is good, more is better. So we talk about calorie deficits. People want to expedite fat loss. They dig into these big, uh, these big caloric deficits because they think it'll go faster. They do more cardio. Um, or the truth is they just worked with a dickhead that really didn't know what they were doing. Um, and, and I always say you can starve a body one time right? So if you and I were to just go out and take a million people 
None of them have ever trained, ever dieted. Their body does not recognize what that stressor is. And we just put them on 800 calories. Guess what? They're all going to end up shredded, right? Mm-hmm. Then we give them a six-month break. We say, go do whatever the hell you want. And we, we try to diet all million people again. I would be willing to bet that upwards of 999,000 people do not have success because their body remembers what that looks like. So now you've got somebody coming to you and, and they're like, great, I'm eating 1200 calories. It should yield weight loss because it's clearly a deficit, yet I'm gaining weight. What's wrong with me? And, and as the coach, we know the fix is, well, we need to restore your metabolic hormones, right? Metabolic function. Um, there's a study out there, the Minnesota Starvation Study. It validates that it absolutely can be done. Our job is to now restore caloric maintenance, right? That's how the Minnesota Starvation Study did it. Um, unfortunately, there's three things that can happen in this process. One is you get really lucky, you hit the jackpot and you're what we call a hyper responder, right? On the, on the way up, you lose weight. You know, we look like a genius because we're like, hey, we, uh, we told you to eat more and, and you'll lose weight and it happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the, the second is you eat more um, and nothing really happens, right? We just get you back to maintenance. We actually fix your metabolism, but you're, you're lucky. You don't gain any weight. We don't lose any weight. Um, the third is you actually gain a significant amount of weight. Um, and, and I would argue more people are in this boat than not. And, and so here we are, the experts, you're coming to me, you're paying me your hard-earned money to lose fat, and I'm telling you, you need to gain weight before I can ever have you lose a pound of fat. Like, that's rough, man. Yeah. Um, that is not my favorite part of our job. Uh, and right before I was talking to you, I was talking to a lovely woman in Oregon that I've been working with for four years. She literally came to me, same thing, right? She was on 800 calories, um, and she was training four or five times a day. And in her generation, man, this is like, Billy Blanks, like Tybo, right? She was doing exercise tapes. Yeah. And, and she had this thought process, like if she wasn't moving, she was gaining fat, right? So she's constantly like exercise activity, non-exercise activity through the roof. Um, and so it took us over a year of reverse dieting. Um, I want to say almost two years, like 20 months to get her to caloric maintenance. And of course, in this process, she gained a reasonable amount of weight. So she came to me with the goal of losing weight. I had her gain like 10 plus pounds initially, but you know, a year after that, when we put her in active fat loss, I was able to ultimately achieve her goal. But that's a client coming to me with trust and understanding the process. A lot of people, they think that because of what they see online, because so-and-so is promoting a 21-day transformation or whatever, that, oh, well, you just don't know what you're doing, so I'm going to go work with them. And it only exacerbates the damage, right? Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a problem in our society right now, man. I think education is slowly starting to catch up, but it's, uh, it's very difficult. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's one of those really tough situations, but also, like you said, why it's so important to educate your clients and, and, and move beyond the scale and move beyond calories in, calories out and helping your clients understand like, look, let's go a little more subjective here and understand like, hey, how's your energy levels, you know? How's your sleep? How's your sex drive? And then we can even, and we can get objective and look at some blood markers or look yep. at some adrenal index factors and, and stuff like that. And it's like understanding, well, you know, I'm eating more and I'm actually feeling better. Actually, my digestion's better. I'm sleeping a little bit better, you know, stuff like that. And, and actually then, want to have sex with your wife again. Yeah. I mean, it, and that's where the real coaching process comes yeah, in. If you ask me, I mean, that's. And that's we call that, like, it, I mean, and I think it's, actually accepted as a clinical term now, but we call it biofeedback, right? Uh, The first time I heard that term was Scott Abel. I don't think it was clinically accepted yet, but I think a lot of people are using it now. And, um, you know, essentially it's your physiological data, right? There's physical data and there's physiological data. 
I've always said, and I will stand by the fact that physical change follows physiological change. So if we can manipulate your physiology, I can guarantee you physical change. So, you know, and, and I have data points on that where I've worked with individuals, most prominently a female that came to me and said, I'm not going to weigh myself. And I was like, great, we'll work 100% on biofeedback. 16 weeks later, I get a text from her, you know, and, and in the morning, it's, and it's like first thing in the morning. And I'm like, oh boy, like what now? She's like, hey, I did something. And I'm like, oh shit, like what happened? You know, she's like, got on the scale. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Let's see what happened. She's down like 34 pounds. Crazy. Like not once did she ever check in. Now here's the fucked up part of that story. That weigh in and being 34 pounds down ultimately led to her demise. Mm. Because that one data point sent her back into the rabbit hole of needing to weigh all the time. She started making manipulations away from me based on the numbers she was seeing on the scale instead of listening to her body. And it really just went sideways. Um, But it's crazy, man. Like if you just get into listening to your body understanding the physiological responses listening to the biofeedback man it's it's epic it's epic what can be done it's so hard but it's so relevant literally stepping away from the scale and and it's why i've moved away from body composition measurements especially like caliper measurements and stuff like that it's like it's it's just not productive for people nor is it even accurate to represent like what it is that we're actually looking for are you making progress and it's too hard to tell in in so many i would say i don't know like you know which clientele you work with. But I mean, 90% of people that come to me, if I can get them just to simply, uh, you know, be aware of what they're doing for two weeks, like that's a win. That's progress. Like all the scale stuff out the way. Like if they can just simply have awareness of what they're doing for two weeks, because most people are so mindless about what they do. Dude, I think, I I think that's 90% of people period, whether it's an elite athlete or it's just your everyday Jane and Joe. It's like most elite athletes, they still don't know what, the hell they're doing depending on what sport they're in i mean mma is a little bit different some of these guys are pretty switched on but whatever regardless of the sport like just creating a little more awareness it's like yeah you're drinking you know you're drinking the equivalent of 400 grams of carbohydrate from liquids during the day like do you realize that's a big deal okay let's cut that out you know i mean stuff like that and i think most people again it's it's just mindless it's routine it's habit it's it's sometimes people are like, Oh, well, you know, a bite here, a bite there. It's, it's only a bite. And then all of a sudden, like you show them like, Hey, all those bites at the end of the day that added up to 400 calories, like 400 calories, not the end of the world today, but 400 calories every day for seven days. It's a big deal. Big deal. So yeah, it's, um, I'm so big on that, man. Like I, I really, and again, that all goes back to the whole root of what we're talking about. And that's why I'm so massive on nutritional coaching. Right. Yeah not just simply being about macros or calories or food quantity or quality or like there's no one set like piece that I'm big on because it's learning to understand the individual. I mean, I have some individuals I worked with where I'm like, great, if you just don't drink alcohol this week, you won. Like don't even log your food for me. Just don't drink one sip of alcohol this week. See what happens. And like now it's like, all right, like we've taken baseline from here to like here right now. Great. Hey, can you remove soda on top of that for me? Great. Now we moved here. Okay, great. Now can you log your food? But until we, you know, until we eliminated those first two things, really logging the food didn't even matter. So it's, I think it's really connecting with the person that you're trying to help understanding where they're at, meeting them at that level, and then slowly leading them in the direction. And it's not playing the speed game. It's playing the patience game and, and the patience game with the right habit changes. Um, it's, it's huge, man. I I really believe it can, I really believe it can change a lot of things. Absolutely. And again, that, that comes down to the art of coaching 
and just it, yeah, dude. You know, That's it. Last chapter in our certification, like in, in NCI, it's the art of coaching. So you had mentioned so so once you have your clients and let's let's talk about at your athletes for just a, a brief yeah. moment. Um, once you have them kind of dialed in and let, we're talking about competition now, it's CrossFit Open. Um, how do you periodize? your nutrition for your athletes, maybe break down exactly what that means um, for our listeners and, and then how you would adapt a program based on the, the competition. So I think every, you know, every sport has periodization or it should, right? And so like if we were to bring a strength conditioning coach on right now and we said, hey, like how are you peaking LeBron for NBA championships? He would tell you that, you know, the last two months of the season and the postseason is like season, right? That's when LeBron needs to be his best. Now, immediately after season, what do they do? They go through like full body restoration, full body movement, right? Like restoring all the limitations that an NBA season has on his body. Once they've done that, they've sufficiently rested him, his nervous system. Then they go into an off-season strength conditioning to give him more power, more skills, whatever it may be to be, in a, be a better athlete, right? Not to be better at basketball that day, but to give him the ability to be better. Mm-hmm. Then they transition. They start doing sports-specific stuff. He starts playing more ball. And then he goes back into season, right? Crossfitters, other high-end athletes all go through the same thing. So right now we're in season for CrossFit. So right now it's all fuel. It's all recovery. And give a shit what your abs look like, right? Like we touched on that earlier. Beyond that, obviously you need to restore your body. Now we know CrossFit as an exercise modality has a massive impact hormonally, but also on the GI. Um, You know, anything super lactate based is going to have an impact on the GI. We just know that. So my job with my CrossFitters immediately post-season is to, to bring their hormonal status back to play and to bring their GI health back to play, right? Once we've sufficiently done that, now we look at what do you need to be a better CrossFitter? Do you need to be stronger? Do you need more skills? Do you need more aerobic capacity? And so we actually fuel those things in the off-season. Now, if an athlete's like, hey, this is the time where I want to get really lean, mm-hmm. great. You're not doing a lot of sports-specific work. The hormonal demands of off-season work are far less than in-season work, so I can put you in a deficit if need be. So that's the time where we're making any sort of physical changes. Then what we, what do we say about LeBron? More sports-specific work. Well, CrossFit, you start doing more actual CrossFit, less classic strength conditioning. We know the hormonal demands are now starting to increase, so we need to fuel and recover appropriately. Then all of a sudden, you're back in season. You're solely focused on fuel and recovery. Rinse and repeat. Do it every year. Um, you know, along those lines, you should always be building metabolic capacity. You know, you should always be looking at the hormones, but I will, and I've never said this on a podcast, man, but I really believe the intensity of CrossFit is at a place today that I think you're going to start to see CrossFit be the top level athletes. We're not talking Matt Frazier because he's an anomaly, but all the other athletes are going to start competing every two or three years instead of every year. I think that the intensity of one CrossFit season is too much for somebody to recover from and actually make improvement every year. They're so resilient, they'll sustain. But I think that like real improvement will come from somebody taking a complete year off. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. And I was, you know, I've been thinking a lot about that as I, you know, I'm, I'm not super familiar with CrossFit, but as I see more and more of the stuff and more athletes competing, I think it's a given that a lot of these top level athletes are complete anomalies, complete outliers. Just point, point 0.1%, not even the 1%. Yeah, exactly. And it has to do with every elite sport, you know, every sport, all these top level guys and and so many general population want to embody what it is that they're doing. But you got to understand that first and foremost is like, you are not them. You never will be them no matter what you do. So you great treat yourself like an athlete, train like an athlete, but you can't likely, 
you know, you're not going to be training at those intensity levels twice a day, you know, well, you're, you're not them and you don't live their lifestyle. And I think that's what's so missed, right? I, I see people all the time. They're like, Oh, but rich Froning trains, you know, five times a day. Okay, great. Rich Froning can also sleep whenever he wants to sleep. Rich Froning has, has zero financial stress because of what he's built. He has no family stress. And he also has access to food 24 seven because he doesn't have a job other than to exercise. Do you fit that mold? No. You have work stress, you have life stress, you sleep less than him, you caffeinate more than him, you do, you do have more financial issues than him. Oh, yet you want to go train five times a day like Rich because you think you can become like him. You guys live completely different lifestyles, right? right? And it's, that's where I think people miss the boat. It's like, can you physically get your butt in the gym five times a day? Probably, if you're really committed to it. Will you create the same adaptation that somebody like Rich Froning is creating from five sessions a day? The answer is absolutely not. And if you're not training to create adaptation, what the hell are you doing? Because that's the whole, like, that's the whole basis of training. We walk in the gym, we intentionally impose a stressor and we hope that we walk out with a subsequent adaptation. That's how we get better at everything, be it aerobic capacity, be it anaerobic, be it strength, hypertrophy, skill work, whatever it is, we're always trying to impose stress and subsequently adapt. That's where nutrition plays such a huge role is, is optimizing your nutrition so that you can recover effectively and not thinking that you can be 100% keto and be cranking out ridiculous like work? Work? Oh, you know, high lactate inducing workouts. So with that said, is give me a, a quick, you know, one or two sentences on keto for CrossFit. <laughs> How about two words or three words? Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do uh, it. Awful for you. So here's the thing, right? And this is this is what I think is not talked about. Is you know, on in theory, it's it's really simple to understand, right? I mean, keto has zero carbohydrates. Um, it can fuel most activities, but it's glycolytic work, right? Like, like the glycolytic energy system, anaerobic and aerobic glycolysis are fueled by carbohydrate, like period, period, There's no discussing it. It's <laughs> physiologically proven. It's in every fucking nutrition textbook ever written, right? So you have to have carbohydrate for that. Like you cannot break down. And, and I had like one guy and he's like, well, yeah, but can't lactate produce like, you know, can't some of the byproducts of lactate fuel that and I'm like, all right, listen, like, is it going to be optimal? No, absolutely not. Right. And so, so let's talk about that is even if you're finding a way based on the lactate you're producing to find fuel for, for that, it's not optimal. And here's the kicker, right? Not only are you not fueled, you cannot recover. Mm -hmm. So you go into a training session and physiologically speaking, what happens is you go in there, your body releases cortisol, right? To, to meet the demands of stress. We enter our sympathetic nervous system our body releases cortisol. Cortisol allows the mobilization of proteins, carbs, and fats as fuel for the exercise. Great. Well, when the clock hits zero or when you walk yourself out of the gym, your body doesn't know that the workout's over. It still recognizes that it's under attack. It's still, it's still in a sympathetic nervous system. The shutoff valve to cortisol is insulin. Well, the keto diet is predicated on no fucking insulin. Exactly. So now you're, now you're creating an environment of prolonged cortisol elevation. Well, cortisol is not like glucose. You don't just drink a shake and replenish it, right? When cortisol is gone, it's gone. And it's all going to be about your individual resiliency as to whether or not you can replenish that very quickly. So keto and CrossFit, it's not, there's not enough fuel. There's not enough recovery. It is a recipe very quickly for HPA axis dysfunction, 
um, which is to say like adrenal issues, sex hormone issues, um, you name it, it is going to happen if you try keto with CrossFit. In fact, man, like when we're done, I could screenshot you a text from one of my athletes this year that was dumb enough to try keto uh, in last year's open and next oh, this year. And she's like, uh, she's like, oh my God, I just like, she PR'd her clean in 18-2 and she had yeah, a wow. like she's, she's crushing her expectations this year. She's like, I'm so much glad. She's like, I'm so glad I'm having carbs this year. It's a million times better than my keto experiment from like last year. And it, it still blows my mind that anybody would even think that it's applicable. Like it, it's it, fundamentally, there's so many flaws. Um, but again, man, the keto crowd is super like high and they're, they're super high horse, like on their, you know, high fat, low carbohydrate, like, you know, low protein. Yeah, well, let's see how yeah. long it lasts. I mean, I, <laughs> no, here's okay. the sad part. And Andy Galpin brought up a really good thing the other day is like, you know, uh, you're going to see the sad part is you're going to see more pro keto studies come out before you see the keto diet go away. Um, as we know, as practitioners in the field, you can set up studies to, uh, to validate anything you want, right? Science is relatively easy to manipulate that way. Um, and so they'll set up studies, they'll show keto efficacy and certain things and it'll be what it is. Right. Um, a lot of that will be funded by these MLM exogenous ketone companies. Totally. What I'm really interested in, and this is what I don't believe has been researched yet, is the exogenous ketones and the keto salts. Because if you're going to tell me that I can have an exogenous ketone that will put me into ketosis, even though I've ingested four or 500 grams of carbohydrate, now I'm interested. Because yeah, yeah. Now, I can, now I can really maximize my aerobic capacity, but I've got those sugars in me to be able to fuel glycolytic exercise, right? Now we're now I'm interested, but there's no research that shows that. I could be wrong, but I don't think it's physiologically putting you into ketosis. I mean, I think, yeah, okay, you have ketones in your, you know, exactly. in your urine because you just drank a bunch of ketones. And so you're showing that you're, you know, producing a certain millimole of, of ketone bodies, but I don't think you're actually getting the benefits. Yeah, it's probably of not the same as nutritional ketosis. And, and yeah. I don't think that that key, the, the presence of that ketone is not the same as being in nutritional ketosis on that point. Most of the people doing the keto diet, and this is the other like really funny part. Most people are doing it wrong. Anyway, they're just well, doing a carb diet. That's what I was just going to say is I know I, so many people that are doing a ketogenic diet. They're not actually doing a legitimate ketogenic diet. Yeah. They're on a very low carbohydrate diet. Fine. That's all good and well. Um, <laughs> but it's just that there's but protein uh, converts to glucose. Like, yeah, for, like protein via gluconeogenesis yes. can convert to glucose. And guess what? When you have glucose present, guess what? You're not, you're not in yeah. a ketogenic state, right? You're not in nutritional ketosis. And so right. it's, and, and that's why classically the ketogenic diet is what 20 to 25% fat and people are, I'm sorry, 20, 25% protein. protein. And, and people are like, Oh my God, how could you eat that little? Like that's what you're getting into. I think Volick's study that he did with Ben Greenfield was like 90% fat. Um, which hmm, yeah, nuts. I haven't I haven't looked at it in like a long time, but I believe I heard Ben say that on a podcast. Okay, fine. It has its benefits. It's not for CrossFit, but also like most people with everyday lifestyle, with family, with work, with travel, like keto's just it's just not. I don't understand crazy. how it's I don't understand how it's lifestyle friendly. Like I, I hear some keto proponents that are like, oh, it's so lifestyle friendly, and I'm like, really? Because my family likes to go to pizza once a week. Oh man, I've yet to meet a kid that doesn't like pizza. And, right. and so if you're going to have a kid in your life and your kid wants to eat pizza, like, what are you going to be like? Hey bro, I'm just going to get the meatballs. Like, 
Like, good dad, you don't eat pizza because you're weird. Like, that's, I don't know, man. Like, there's, and, and maybe I'm the weird one and I'm totally comfortable saying that. Like, but to me, like, I, you know, now having kids around, like, I, I don't want to ever place emphasis on the, on food as the purpose of enjoyment. But that being said, my kids like to go for pizza. We all know how kids view pizza. I want to be able to enjoy things like that with them on their birthday. I can't, I don't want to say no to cake. Right. Like, and and that's just part of living a healthy lifestyle. Like we're not glorifying cake. I'm not saying it's healthy. I'm not saying it's micronutrient dense. I'm not saying it has to be part of your diet, but I do want the social ability to be able to have that with my sons and with our daughters. And you know, if they want me to participate with them, I don't ever want to say no because of this crazy diet I'm on. Yep. Yep. I I feel you a hundred percent. And you know, so many of us health professionals, if you will, have been at the point in our life where we've glorified food in one way or another, yeah. been uber dogmatic about food in one way or another. And I'm so far, I, I realize now the amount of stress that I placed on myself and the damage that it did and, and the stress and you know consequences that of how it affected people around me and my children. And, and I'm so far beyond that to the point where it's like, I want to embrace just understanding that food's neither good nor bad. And it's something to enjoy with people that you love. Um, it has a strong emotional component, but it has a strong community component too. And I think it's something that can really be enjoyed. I think you got to find the balance of that, right? Because I, I don't, I don't ever want to say it's, uh, I don't, I, I never, because a lot of overweight people will say that, you know, social uh, reasons are the reason they can't change. And so I don't ever want to create it to be the center of, of social settings, but at the totally. same time, I think we need to be real and I think we need to understand that Western culture food is at the center of a, of a lot of social gatherings. And so if you are not going to have somebody partake, you at least need to be building strategies around that. Um, and, you know, I don't ever want somebody, again, it goes back to the whole feeling of restriction. If you feel so restricted because your social life is being affected, like that's a conversation on day one. Like if the diet protocol we're setting up for you is going to remove these, remove you from these and a lot of enjoyment you get in your life is from social settings like you're articulating two different goals again. And, yeah. and again, it's just understanding where you're at, man. And it's, that's the beauty of nutrition is there's nothing, nothing's right and nothing's wrong. Yeah. It's and, all application. Yeah. And we're just, you know, we're just at the tip of the iceberg of what we understand about human nutrition and, and we're learning more and more every day and there's more research coming out. I can't out. wait to see what they know when I die. Yeah, exactly. Like, like the day that I'm gone, they're going to know so much more than I ever knew. And, and that's so cool because yeah. uh, I just know the world will be in a better place. And, uh, you know, I think that knowing what I know and, and what proper nutrition has done in my life, I think that's so rad, man. Like if our mm-hmm. next generation has better dietary protocols and better knowledge available at an earlier age, like you're not going to face some of the shit that we faced. And that's pretty rad. Yeah, absolutely. Jason, where can people find out more about you? Yeah, man. Um, really easy to get to. Uh, IN3Nutrition.com is our site. That's like where our coaching and everything goes down. So we post all of our blogs. Uh, you know, if you're interested in getting into the nutrition coaching space, uh, we did create a certification, um, you know, for people and it's called the Nutritional Coaching Institute. Um, so that would be NCI certifications with an S.com. Uh, and honestly, man, just reach out to me on social media, like send me a DM or you know, private message on Facebook, DM on Instagram. Uh, it's just Jason Phillips on Facebook, Jason Phillips underscore I am three on Instagram. I, I always make a guarantee. I get back to everybody that messages me. Uh, it may not be that day or, or that weekend, but I will get back. Um, it's something that, you know, I want to help, man. Like I said, at the very beginning of this, I made it my mission to help every single person that wants my help. I never say no. Uh, like it's kind of a problem, but I never say no. I always want to help. So, 
uh, you know, reach out. We'd love to connect. And um, yeah, man, that's it. Awesome. So let me ask you two more quick questions. First is, what are one or two people or resources that you are continuing to learn from or have learned from in the past year regarding Mm. nutrition? Where do I learn? Where do I try to learn the most? Um, So I'm super fascinated with like this, like the physique, like stage world right now. Um, and so my buddy, William Grazioni, I think is really, really good in terms of like peaking individuals. Mm. Um, so I've been picking his brain a lot there. Um, so he and I have great conversation. The other, I would say is just more in like the functional realm and the hormonal realm. I think that's a, a shift. Um, so like Reed Davis has, you know, FDN, the diagnostic nutrition, um, you know, Chris Kresser is fantastic in that area. Um, honestly, man, like it would be hard pressed for me to say only two because I like the ethos of my being is to get my hands on everything and and I'm Mm -hmm. constantly learning, dude. Hey, uh, last question and I'll let you go. If you had to, if you could only eat one meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the rest of your life, what would that meal look like? (laughs) Does it have to be healthy? No, no, no. Oh man. I'm looking at my meal. It has to be, it has to be keto though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, if it had to be keto, like in all seriousness, it'd just be eggs and bacon. Yeah. Uh, right. Pizza, like pizza comes to mind just because I love fucking pizza, man. Yeah. Like, I, like I love pizza, like it's no one's business. <laughs> like, it, it's seriously like my favorite cheap food in the world. Um, like, I'm just trying to think. I'm like, because there's things I really like, but I'm like, ah, like I, you know, I probably go without it. Um, it's a tough I question. Love, I love blueberry pancakes too. Nice. Like, yeah, like that's another like that's a big thing. So cool. probably pizza though. Right on. That's a boring, that's such a boring answer, but like, that's probably the truth. Cool. All good. No, pizza's, pizza's good. Um, hey, Jason, thank you, man. Thank you so much for your time, your expertise, your wisdom, uh, your passion and authenticity. I really appreciate you coming onto the show and uh, having the opportunity to share all of uh, your wisdom with our listeners. So I'm in. Thank you. Like I always try to end every podcast and I want to thank you. Like you're taking time out of your day. You're putting this together. You're bringing experts to the masses giving them information they may not else, you know, otherwise be able to get, um, you know, my time is not always open to the public and you can hear my daughter. Yeah, like, she oh, is. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, you're, you're creating those connections, man, for the individuals that are listening to this. So, you know, your time is massively appreciated as well, dude. And, and, you know, I love what you're doing. I, I think it's fantastic. So, um, please, uh, from myself and all your listeners, thank you. Hey, all good, man. It's my mission to serve just like you. And uh, with that said, have a wonderful day and we'll connect again soon. I appreciate it, brother. All right, buddy. Take care. So there you have it. That was a really fun conversation with Jason Phillips, owner of In3 Nutrition and Nutrition Coaching Institute. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, If you want to find any of the resources mentioned in the episode, you can find those links over in the show notes at bslnutrition.com forward slash episode four six. And as always, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review in iTunes so that we can help more people make smart nutrition simple. Uh, Thank you guys so much, whether this is your first time tuning in or you've been following us uh, for multiple episodes over the past year. Again, we're 46 episodes in and I'm so appreciative to have you as a listener. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you found some useful pieces of information that you can actually take and apply today. And hey, Don't hesitate to reach out to me and let me know what you're struggling with uh, and if there's any guests that you'd like to see on the show or if there's any questions that you'd like me to answer in a solo podcast round. I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me directly, ben at bslnutrition.com 
or on social media at BSL Nutrition. I will make sure and respond to every single message. And uh, hey, thanks so much. Have a wonderful rest of your day and uh, I'll catch you next week. This episode was brought to you by BSL Nutrition and the Complete Essentials All-in-One Training Drink. If you've been looking for a comprehensive workout supplement that can help support great energy both in and around your workouts as well as reduce muscle soreness naturally without all the caffeine and artificial sweeteners, then head over to bslnutritionshop.com and type in podcast at checkout for 15% off your first purchase of either grape and or lemon lime.